Good morning, good morning. What a beautiful day it is to be the house of the Lord. Amen. I want to open with a word of prayer this morning. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you this morning. Lord, unified in spirit. God, seeking your face. Lord, as we raise our hands and our voices in praise and worship, God, now we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you would have for us. God, in your word, God, in your truths, and in your promises. God, we're thankful for your everlasting presence in our lives, God, and, and truly paving the way that we could get to know you, Lord, and that we would someday if we choose to get to see your face. God, we know that you're preparing for us as we stand here today, God, as we truly do seek out your will in our lives, God, that you are preparing the way that we could meet you in an everlasting life. God, that we would one day truly become righteous. Lord, that we would get to put that crown on top of our head. Lord, we're thankful today for this opportunity together seeking that reward. Lord, and, and unified knowing that we have a Father in heaven that loves us everlasting and has made sacrifice so that we can be forgiven. God, we pray that we would do everything in accordance to your will this morning. Lord, because we know that your will is perfect. Lord, we also want to say a special prayer for all the dads out there and all the men acting on behalf of dads. Lord, we, we truly are thankful for these men and their presence. God, as they are the backbone that you've called to stand in harm's way for family and church. Lord, I'm truly thankful. for the men that you've put in my life. And what they've done and been an example to me. Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead and guide and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> and I don't wholly like getting emotional all the time, but man, I tell you what, when you start really counting your blessings, there's a lot to be grateful for. The sacrifices of, of men in my family, not only in my family, but the community <clears throat> that have paved a way to allow us to do what we're doing today. I want to start out with a quote by John F. Kennedy. And he said, do not pray for easy lives, but pray to be stronger men. 
that hit me pretty deep because a lot of times in our or in my prayer life for sure I, I pray that he would lighten the load or easy the burdens a little bit or the, the dark wouldn't be so dark. <clears throat> but it's in those times where we gain our character and where we gain our strength and where we really define who we are. I've heard a lot of coaches say that you're not wholly defined by the first three quarters of a ball game, but by the last half of the last quarter when everybody's tired and when emotions are high and when the game is on the line, that truly defines who you are. And there's one of two ways you can go. You can either arise to the occasion or you can take the easy way out. And I believe that's what John F. Kennedy was getting at. Don't pray for it to be easy. Pray to be strong through it. Jesus Christ himself in the garden didn't pray for easy. He didn't pray for easy. He said, God, your will, not mine. I want to do what you would have for me. And as men, as fathers, and as leaders, I believe that's a prayer that we need to pray. Because as households are being divided and, and communities are being divided and churches are being divided I read I've done some research and statistically we're headed down the path that, that God said we would head down towards the end of times in 1960 in a U.S. census done in 90% of the households there were two parents, a man and a woman. In 2013, it was down to 62%. That's a 28% decline over 50 years. These numbers are staggering. But I believe... When you look at numbers like this, and as much as I was taken aback as, as how far we've slipped and, and the decline and at the rate at which we're declining, it makes a lot of opportunity. It takes a lot and makes a lot of opportunity for ordinary godly men to become extraordinary godly men. Because through the power and the grace of God, we can come to something that other people can't. Through his love and his grace and his mercy, we are set aside to be caretakers, to be men of honor, men of valor, men of courage. Men that were made to step up and step out and to step in lines of defense for the weak and the fatherless. He's called us to do these things. And as godly men, we have the opportunity to do so. I'm going to be in 1 Peter 5. In 1 Peter 5, I believe, not that I'm excluding the ladies today, but I'm particularly talking to men because I believe that there's been a shortfall of good godly men and I believe that at the core, if the godly men that are here can gain strength and gain courage 
and gain faith through God that we can step out and we can change a next generation. I'm fortunate enough to be blessed with a boy and a girl in my life because it gives me the opportunity to show my daughter what a man should act like and so that she has a standard to go by that my dad would never treat me that way and so I'm not going to allow you to treat me that way because he set a standard in which I can rate other men by. On the flip side, God blessed me with the son so that I can show him how to treat other people and to treat a woman. And so in my house, I get the blessing to do both. And both of them are special in their own unique way. And the one thing that I can really instill in them from their youth is the power and the love of God. And that's the most important thing that I can do as a father because if I want to change a community, if I want to change a school, if I want to change the world in which we live, it starts in my house. It starts in my house because I can train my children to be the kind of godly followers and leaders in the community that they will need to be to try to train the next generation. Because if I never teach my children about God, then how are they ever going to teach their children about God? It's leaving it to chance, and that's nothing to chance. It says, train up a child in their youth and they'll never go away from it when they get older. That's a promise from God and I'm banking on that. I too made some not so great choices when I was late teens, early 20s. Luckily enough, I got to live through it, that I could really pursue a life living for God. Not everybody gets that opportunity. So I implore to you, pour into your kids young, pour into your grandkids young. Because if we've talked as men of this church and things we can do in this community that prevention is way easier than rescuing midstream. It's way easier to prevent somebody from doing something than to try to get them out of it in the middle of it. So if we can train up the next generation, if we as men of this church can be good to the core and be a walking example of what they need to be, not just telling them what they need to be, but showing them what they need to be, then they'll have no excuse later on as to who they need to be because they've seen it. They've seen me do it. They've seen Jerry do it. They've seen Bob do it. They've seen Jim do it. They've seen men of valor and of courage to step in and say things when they should, to forgive when they should, to show love when they should. I listened to a pastor one time, and he preached about the perfect mixture of lion and lamb. 
that a father has to be as close to that perfect mixture as he can because you have to be protector of your family. But your family does not need a lion. They need a lamb. They need your love and your mercy and your kindness and direction. But to the outside world that's trying to attack your family, you better hope they get a lion. Starting in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, it says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also and an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy liqueur, but of a ready mind. This is talking about the elders of the church, but guess what? Younger men, younger fathers, if God so gracious us with time, we will be the elders of the church one day. Why not start now? Let's start leading by example now. That way my kids see what I'm doing now at a young age while they still listen to me. Because I know that's going away at some juncture. Um, my mom always told me with, whenever we had our first kids, she said, you know, all you can do is teach them the difference between right and wrong and then hope they make the right choice. And I'm standing there going, my gosh, is that all I can do? <laughs> Seems pretty vague, but as you go along... I found out that there's a third option. I can teach them where to go and where to seek shelter and where to seek refuge. I learned here not so in the distant future or past that I'm not man enough to raise the kids alone. I'm not man enough by myself. I need God to take my kids and I need God to raise my kids and to have an influence on my kids and to protect my kids. Because I can't be there all the time, but he can be. And so as hard as it was, and as long as I cried, the night that I realized this, I handed my kids over to God reluctantly, standing on the promises that he gave me, that he would take care of them, that he knows best because he is the ultimate father. He's a far better father and far stronger than I could ever be on my own. But while I'm here, I pray for his presence in my life, that I could walk according to his will, that I could show my kids conduct that would be pleasing to God. And I can assure you that your kids are listening. I can assure you that your kids are hearing what they're telling you, and not just your kids, but their friends. And their friends' friends, because guess what? Kids tell the truth. They tell the truth to their friends, and they tell the truth to their babysitters. And that truth sometimes is embarrassing. And so they hold you to a certain standard themselves in not knowing that they do, because they might tell somebody what you did. But I want to thank God for his presence in our lives, the, the changes that he's made in me will affect my kids. And the changes that he's made in me will affect my kids' kids and their kids and all of their friends. And I know, guys, that it seems like a lot of pressure, and it is, but God has called us to a different standard. 
He has called us to lead a generation. He has called us to lead his churches. He has called us to lead his families. Now that is only done with the supportive spouse. Women, you are not to be put out of the picture because we do need your love and support and forgiveness or we fail. But we must continue to seek God because in verse 2 of this he says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy liqueur, but of a ready mind. Verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Examples, not just from the mouth, but doers of God's word, followers of God. We watched War Room, and Peyton really likes that movie. And in that movie, this mother writes out her prayers on paper and she hangs them all in her prayer room. And now my daughter has a prayer paper beside her bed. I can assure you, your kids are soaking in what you're letting them watch and what they're seeing and what they're hearing. So we're not being lords and and takers of what God is trying to do but we're being examples of who God has made us to be not controlling what God is trying to do but following what God is trying to do verse 4 and when the chief shepherd shall appear you shall receive a crown of glory that faith not away now that's a promise that I am standing on that when Jesus comes back because he is the chief shepherd That when he pulls me up, he has been spending his time weaving my crown that will perfectly fit on my head because he knew me. And because he's seen what I did and he's happy and he's satisfied that I followed his will, this is my prayer. I'm not saying I act like a perfect child all the time and consistently following his will but I pray that I can be that child I pray that I can follow in God's will that my children might follow in God's will that they can see that it is the best thing that they can ever do when you align yourself with God and you pursue it because if you just align and then you stand there it means nothing because shortly you're going to be out of alignment again It's a walking, moving relationship that you have with God that is ever-changing because guess what? When you step out a little bit in faith, the next one's going to be a little bigger. And then the next one's going to be a little bigger. And before you know it, you're stepping out in great lengths of faith and people are watching you and they're seeing your boldness and they can get behind a movement that is working. But guess what? To start a movement, there has to be one. To change a family, there has to be one. I can throw statistics at you all day long, but the statistics are far greater, four to five times greater when it's the father that steps out. Verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. 
Ye all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. There has been a lot of talk about patience this morning. And it's only fitting when we talk about Father's Day. Right, fathers? <laughs> There's a lot of patience that comes in. Uh, mothers, you guys are just out of this world with patience. We won't even go there. You've got us beat. We, we don't even go to that fight. But patience is tough. And it's a scary thing to pray for. You've got to be careful. We talked about in Sunday school this morning, being specific with your prayers. That is one area that you want to really define down when you're talking about praying for patience. Uh, there's a quote from a movie that says, you know, does he just give you patience or does he give you the chance to be patient? Whew. I don't want the chance to be patient. I want it to just bam and I'm there and I'm patient. But a lot of times we gain strength through trials. To learn patience is, is to learn a key skill. But it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. It's not our time. It's God's time. So we have to remember, guys, in our prayer life, and gals, Misty's fixing to, they're fixing to do a, a book study over this, but we have to remember in our prayer life that it's not our time. It's God's time. We're on God's time. And he says that our lifespan is nothing but a vapor. So his timeline is a lot different than our timeline. We have to remember that things will happen and come to fruition perfectly in God's time. In God's time. It will become perfect in God's time. So when we jump ahead and we put the cart before the horse, sometimes we've got to wreck and we've got to pile up. Because we tried to do things out of God's time. And he's like, okay, you wanted the reins, here it is. What's going to happen? Yes, after the car wreck, I will dust you off. I will stand you back up. And I will say, what did we learn from this? I had the same experience with the t-ball player the other night. I said, son, you got to watch the ball. Not my son, but you got to watch the ball. You're going to get hit with it. I was pleading with him. It's like, seriously, when you're standing there just spinning circles... You're going to get dizzy and the ball's going to hit you. And it's, it's going to hurt. Man, he just, you know, whatever kids do. And he was playing first base. And sure enough, a kid that could throw caught it and threw it. And it smoked him. And he started crying. I was like, I'm sorry you got hit with the ball. But what did we learn? I feel like God is like that with me a lot. Like, okay, you fell down. Now, what was I trying to tell you? We'll start again. That's where we're at, right? Humble yourselves. Realize that it's, it's his time, not our own. In verse 7 it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may destroy. The devil is not patient. He can be patient. But he studies you. He says he walks around like a lion. I don't know if you've ever seen cats hunt, but they're pretty strategic in the way they go about it. 
They lie and wait for something to pass. Or they're very quiet as they walk. But as a lion waiting in the weeds, the devil sits there and studies your habits and your processes and what you do and where your weaknesses are. And when he figures it out and he knows where your weaknesses are, that's when he's going to jump in and he's going to start talking to you. And he's going to start telling you that you're not good enough or that you can't step out in faith because this isn't your deal. You can't be a leader. You're too weak. You don't know enough. Whenever that talk starts, you know that Satan has been studying your life. Just like Kendra said, when you step out and you start doing things for the Lord, be ready and be vigilant and be of a sober mind because the devil is going to come after you and he's going to test you and he's going to try you in things because he doesn't want you doing the work of God. At any cost, he will stop you from doing the work of God. Missy listened to a lady and she was telling me about and, and played it for me. And it really hit home. You know, you talk about the devil and how he studies you and, and things like that. And it's like, yeah, I'm ready. But she got on a different level with me. She said, the devil's watching your kids. The devil watches your kids play. The devil's studying your kids that when he might take advantage of your kids that hit on another level for me I've got to step up my game so that I can call on God and that he can protect my kids wherever they're at that they would know that they've got a father in heaven that loves them when I can't be there because ultimately we're raising our kids to be independent from us that's why it says that a man and woman shall leave their mother and their father and become one with somebody else That's a responsibility that falls on us. That we have to raise them to act without us. We have to raise them to know when to pick up the Bible and when to call on God and how they're going to pray and when they're going to pray and at what level are they going to pray at. But if you've never showed them what deep, fervent prayer looks like, how are they going to know what it looks like if you should, haven't showed them how to turn on the light switch in the darkest room in the house how are they going to know we have to show them we have to be vigilant we have to be sober and of a sound mind that way we are always teaching and always guiding our kids to do better and to be better I hope my kids are ten times as great as I am because I'm nothing. But I've got hope for my kids. It's too late for me. I'm getting old. But my kids have got a chance still to be something. And they are because they're God's children. That makes them something. If you've accepted Jesus Christ is your Savior. That makes you something. That makes you worthy. That makes you outstanding. That you won't be a part of this world, but you'll rise above this world. And when the going gets tough, their friends are going to look to them for guidance. Because guess what? When you were there and you were in trouble and you stepped up and you led your family, they learned from it because they were hiding behind you and you stood courageous at the face of the lion. 
because you knew God. And they seen God in you. And they've seen God working around you. I can't stress enough that when you're working for God, when you're in God's will, you're not just affecting yourself. It doesn't stop here. God works on a big scale. When He's changing you, He's changing people around you because you have an effect on other people. Verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You're not the only one going through it. Everybody's face is the devil, especially if they're a man of God. Verse 10, but the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye suffer a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you to him, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. But the God of all grace, guys, we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. We're going to mess up from time to time. We're human. But by God's grace, we're sanctified. And if I can show my kids God's grace, because sometimes, all the time, I'm not as merciful as I should be. My kids get it pretty hard sometimes. That's because I expect a lot out of them. And I feel like God is the same way. God expects a lot out of us. But with high expectations becomes high blessings, I feel. Because He wants to use us. He wants us to be men of God. He wants us to be great prayers. And He wants us to be intercessory prayers. And He wants us to be that stronghold and that wall around his body when the lion comes to attack. The men should gather and protect the flock. That's a responsibility that God puts on us. He puts a responsibility on us to lead and to protect at all costs. I've got a couple more verses I'm going to flip through. I really like this thing I found online. And it's mainly for men, but women, these are all goals. We're all here trying to unify and seek God's face. There's nothing different about that. We should all be seeking and we should all be trying and we should all be looking for the Lord in the best way that we know possible and we should all be giving the best example to our kids possible because Lord knows that it takes both of us to get the job done. But as long as we have the Lord in our forefront and in our mind and, and my kids can see that God is first in my life, hopefully they'll put God first in their life. But the first one is to serve the king. There's five defining things that will allow men to be more aligned in God's will. And the first one is to serve the king first. Matthew 6 
verse 31. I'm going to jump around a lot. Matthew 6, verse 31 through 34 says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Guys, gals, seek God first. Seek God first. Seek God when you first open your eyes in the morning. Seek God the last thing that you do before you go to bed at night. Seek God before you eat breakfast. Seek God after you eat breakfast. Seek God before you go to work. Look for God while you're at work. Look for God in people that you meet. Seek God all the time and that's all you'll think about. You won't have time to think about these other junk thoughts or what you're going to do tomorrow or you've got a plan for this or you've got a plan for that. Seek God today. He's saying tomorrow will take care of itself because that's not a promise. That's an assumption. We are here now because of God's grace. Tomorrow is not a promise. It is an assumption. So if you say, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to do better. You might not get that chance. You say right now, starting right now, Right now is important because I'm here and God is here and he's who I'm going to seek now. Well, we got some fried chicken. We're going to eat a little later because we're going over and we got Father's Day stuff. and That's great. Focus on what to now is. What is now? God is now. We're here unified in the spirit of God seeking God's face now. Don't lose this moment for something that is not guaranteed later. The only guarantee you have for later is that you might seek and receive a crown of righteousness that God will give you. That you might receive life eternal because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only future that is promised to a person that's received Christ, is eternal life. We don't know when that starts. It may start this afternoon. We don't know, but seek the things that are forever. God is forever. You're in the present now. Seek God now. Don't worry about fried chicken later. It'll come, but get through the now. Give your all now. I cannot stress about how putting God first in your life will change your life and your family's life and your friend's life. It doesn't stop with you. When you start seeking the Lord, it doesn't stop with you. The second thing. Everybody's going to throw stuff at me for this one. Step up. James 1, verse 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, 
and straightway forgetteth what manner of a man that he was. Ow. That one hurts a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Step up. That is what the church lacks today. That is what our community lacks today. That is what this world lacks today is men of courage and men of God stepping up and taking control of the situation, taking thoughts captive and making them obey Christ and getting themselves in line. Amen? We've got to get it together. We've got to pull it together. Our family's eternity relies on our faith in God. The statistics are there. When fathers get saved first, it's like 85% of the time the rest of the family follows. It's like 17% with mothers. That shows you how impactful a father is on his children and how impactful a father is to his wife. It makes a difference of who we are, men. And if we're not going to step out and we're not going to show our wives that we will stand for them in the middle of God's will on our lives, how can we expect them to do it? I was forced, fortunate, forced, <laughs> you're going to laugh at that here in a second. I was fortunate enough to be married to a woman that did just that. <clears throat> she stood her own. And stood her ground in her will in God's will on her life while I was not there. And I can assure you that that is rare. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. When you hear the word of God and you don't act on the word of God, you're deceiving yourself. Because God has a plan for you. And God has a job for you. And when you don't step up to answer that call, you're not really hearing the word of God. Because God is telling you, I have a job for you. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, I have a job for you. You are a functioning part in the body of Christ, not a maimed part in the body of Christ. You have a job. You have responsibility in the body of Christ. So, step up. Number three is speak out. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all of such as are appointed to destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Fill the gap. Speak godly things for the people that don't know. For the people that are lame, for the misfortunate, for the weak, for the poor, for the slow of speech, fill the gap, it says. Show us service. Jesus not, did not come to be served, but to serve. He is our example. He is the perfect mix of lion and lamb. Cleaning the temple when is necessary, and having mercy on the sick as is necessary. He came as a lamb, but I can assure you when he comes back again, he is coming as a lion. And he's cleaning up this mess that we've created. But we can start hedging the way. We can start change now. 
speak out. Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are appointed in destruction. Open thy words, or open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Help people in a godly way, not judgmental, not for something in return, but because that's what God wants of us. As men of God, he wants us to help and he wants us to show his strength. And we need to be a reflection of his light, not for self-boasting, because we did nothing. The only reason that you are able to help anybody is because God has allowed you to be in a position where you can help somebody. You didn't do it yourself. You're going to heaven. Great. That doesn't make you better. It makes you saved. Help people get there. Don't shame them because you did something. Because you did nothing. Jesus Christ did something. Not you. But tell them what Jesus Christ did for you. Encourage them to follow. How do gang members in inner cities gain numbers? They look for the lost. They look for the misfortune. They look for the lonely. Because they can show them something that they're missing. And that's a being a part of a family. We can do the same thing. Because we're a part of a family. We're a part of a family. We're a part of something special. I don't know about you guys. But we all share the same blood. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. It covers me. That makes us brothers and sisters. In the Lord. Four, stand strong. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You're never wasting your time when you're doing God's work ever you're never wasting your time when you're talking to somebody about God you're never wasting your time if you're helping somebody change a flat you're never wasting your time when you're showing somebody love or mercy or kindness he says you are not laboring in vain you're laboring for me Let's stop showing the world what we're against and let's start showing a world what we stand for. And we stand for love. And we stand for mercy. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't be here. Because God wouldn't have loved us enough to send His Son to die on a cross for us. And God wouldn't have loved us enough to forgive us our shortcomings. Because we are all sinners. But through Christ, we're made whole. Not through Mason's work on Sunday I'm made whole. No. Through Jesus Christ and Christ alone I am made whole. So when we're telling people that because we care about their soul. We care about how they live their life. Not what we're against. We've tried that for a while. It's not working very well. Because now everybody knows what we're against. But they know nothing about what we stand for. So before we tear somebody down, 
Let's build up who they are. Let's build up the things that they're doing good because that little bit of encouragement might be something that they've never had. I've been fortunate enough to grow up in a great loving home, in a great community, in great churches. Not everybody gets that. Some people start off in the life of hard knocks and they never can get out of it. I know a brother in the ministry now that started off homeless at 13 because his dad didn't care. The only time he cared is when he'd done something wrong and he would beat him. And finally, one night, he came home drunk and it was too much. And he left, never looking back. Inner city Chicago. Yes, he got involved with the gang at the age of 14. Started doing drugs. He was an addict. But they loved him. So he thought. They looked out for him. They had his back. Whenever he made wrong decisions, they didn't care. They would stand up for whatever he did. He said, I can remember that I robbed somebody one night. And they came after me. And he said, I know now that I was doing wrong. But guess what? My gang had my back. They accepted me and they stood up for me. Is that what we're doing? Are we standing in the gaps of the weak and the lost? Showing them that we'll love them? Not all their ways have to be perfect because I can assure you as I stand on this stage, not all of my ways are perfect. I'm not holier than thou. I've had addictions and I've had shortfalls where I've come up way short of the glory of God but he is merciful and he is glad to do so when we call upon him stand strong in your work in the Lord if the God has sent you to do something do it and do it know that you're doing the work for the Lord and it doesn't matter who comes across your path on your way to do it and all the naysayers that say you can't do it and that you're not enough and that you don't know enough. Who cares? God told you God will provide and it will be great. Because God says I will not send you unequipped. I will equip you for every task that I will ever send you on because I am sufficient and I am all powerful and I am God. That's what he tells us. I'm not going to send you out to the wolves without being equipped to fight a battle. I'm going to equip you with the tools you need. And I'm going to show you how to use them. And we're going to be victorious because guess what? You're now useful for the kingdom of God. And we can show people what I can do. Amen? Who wants to be used like that? Who wants to be used? I can assure you that there's not enough people today that want to be used by God. And that's one of the problems that we're in, that we want to show up and we want to serve our time, not be humbled with our time, not use our time for seeking, but to serve our time, not as a blessing, but as a burden. That's what church is all about, it seems like. Ah, oh, i got to go to church today. Ah. Not I get to go to church today and I get to worship with people like me and I get to go seek God's face in a public place because the person overseas that just lost their head because they were trying to have a family Bible study inside their house and got caught and lost their life wishes that they had this privilege that we have today. 
This place is not a burden. This book is not a burden. It is a blessing. And if used right, you can bless yourself. And you can bless other people. And you can save people's lives through eternity with the wisdom and knowledge of God. Finally, number five, stay humble. Stay humble. Before I read this verse, I'm going to tell you what an elder of the church told me whenever I started down the ministry path. He said, I can assure you that people and different things will be attracted and you will come across different options that you can choose from. But he said, be very, very careful because a lot of people are not attracted to you. They're attracted to what God is doing inside of you. Stay humble. Know that you're not doing the things you're doing because you've done something extra special. You're doing it because God has chose you to do it. And that is your job. And that's the best blessing that there is. But know that you're only doing it because God is allowing you to do it. Because God is equipping you to do it. And God is showing you how to do it. Not on your own. But through God. His grace. His mercy. His love. His leadership. His tools. It has nothing to do with us besides us choosing to follow. Which should have been in every one of these steps is us choosing to follow. Proverbs 3, 1 through 6 says, Stay humble, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Blind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thy heart, so thou so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct my path. He will. God will. Give it all to him. Become his servant. Align your life with what he wants. And he will direct it, and he will guide it. And it will be a blessing, not only to you, but it will be a blessing to everybody around you. Because guess what? You take that morning hate when you wake up and you're in bed and you're like, I hate everybody. And it turns it up and you open your eyes and you pray to God. And you thank God that he's opened your eyes for another day. And you say, God, what have you got for me today? I'm excited. I'm ready to go do your work. I know I've got a job to go to, but that's the least of my worries. Who are you going to send me today? Who am I going to get to talk to today? I'm excited to get in your word this morning as soon as I get up and I wash the sleep out of my eyes so that I can focus. I'm going to get into your word. I'm going to seek your face this morning because I know, God, when I wake up and I seek your face early, it'll stay with me because I'll keep recalling it all day and the fire will start kindling inside of me. And I hope by lunch that I am so excited about your word. I'm not even worried about lunch. I want to go grab my Bible and I want to read it again. And then somebody comes in an afternoon appointment. And you're like, 
You know, it's funny that you say that because what I read out of my Bible earlier was, but that's because you're seeking the face of God and you're lining your life with the will of God. It's contagious. So is slander. So are hurtful things. We can do either one. Line your life with Lord. Line up what he would have for you. Seek him. Guys, it's too important to leave to chance. Somebody is going to pour knowledge into your kids. Parents, somebody is going to pour knowledge into your kids. Do you want to have a little bit of control of what goes in? Because right now, my kids are a sponge and they're soaking up everything. And if I don't put some good in, I can assure you that nobody else will. Peyton asked for some family Bible time the other night. They're paying attention. They're listening. Tate was all in, man. We got to, to pick our own favorite story, and we got to gather around the table, and we got to talk about it. It's not what I'm doing. It's what God doing inside of me and Misty that my kids find exciting and that they find attractive. It's God that's attractive to them. It's not us. Because at least 50% of the time, me and my wife have chose to follow the Lord. I would wish it was a greater number, but I can't say for sure that it is. Because I fall short too. But when we line it up, when we start seeking what God would have on our life, it makes all the difference in the world. Not for this generation, but for the next generation. The generation after that, we look at the book of or book of Samuel and what Eli did. We talked a little bit about that. I'm going to leave you on the edge of your seats with that. I'm going to ask you to go look. Starts in 1 Samuel. Go read about Eli and what happened. Serve God. Put him number one. Step up to the call of God. Speak out for those that are weak. Stand strong in defense of what is right. And stay humble in the sight of God, knowing that it's him and not you. Sounds pretty easy, right? Five-step program. First step, choosing Jesus Christ. you got to hit the go button before you can start. You have to hit the go button before you can start. And you can't hit the go button unless you got Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're going to open up the altars. If you have not made that decision... Please stand with me. If you have not made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is that day. Remember, tomorrow is an assumption. You are assuming that you have a chance to do it tomorrow if you don't do it today. It's not promised. Right now is promised. God is here. God is moving God is looking for you. Are you looking for Him? Because He says when we seek Him with all of our heart, that we will find Him. But I ask you today, are you seeking God with all of your heart? Do you know God? If you don't, we've got time right now. We've got all afternoon for people to fill these altars, to align their life with what God would have for them. 
or if there's this one part, there's, there's this person that I want to talk to and I want to share Jesus Christ with her. God, I need your strength. Now is the time. Now is the time to find your strength in the ever presence of God. God is here today. He wants to get to know you better. He wants a better relationship with you today. Talk to him. Seek him. The altars are open.